This is the Spa Retailer Podcast, where we talk about retail, business, and all things related to the hot tub industry. I'm Megan Kendrick, owner of Spa Retailer Magazine. And I'm Jeff Bailey, owner of Spring Dance Hot Tubs in Philadelphia. Hey, Megan here. This episode is one I've wanted to do ever since Jeff came on as my co-host. We are finally delving into what all he went through to purchase Spring Dance. And it is a doozy. So we decided to break it into two parts. Part one is really focused on how Jeff and Dan, the former owner, decided that this was the time to buy and sell, how price was decided on, and choosing a bank to carry the loan. Here it is. Hello, Jeff. Hello, how are you? I'm doing good. So the last time we saw each other was in Vegas, and a lot has happened since then. Um, we've both gone on vacation. It's been Thanksgiving, and now I feel like I'm finally back in the office trying to get caught up from all of those things. How about you? <laughs> well, I'm feeling the same way. And uh, yeah, it's been very busy. A lot, a lot going on. Any uh, any closing thoughts on the on the trade show? Um, I know I saw you at the IHTA meeting, and um, did you have a lot of other things that you had to get done while you were there? I didn't. I had, um, I actually wound up going home early because I was just so under the weather. So yeah, so I got kind of in and out. So, but I, I did enjoy the time that I had in there and, and certainly uh, spending some time with Norm. And I enjoyed that time with Troy, uh, talking with Troy. So that was good. Look, you did look a little rough the last time I saw you. So <laughs> much better right now. <laughs> And you just celebrated your 30th wedding anniversary in a Bora Bora, I might add. Yes, that was incredible. Um, I I, um, I have to say, like, I've told a lot of people this, but when you see pictures of Bora Bora, it looks amazing. And, and in person, it's, it's, it's even more spectacular. It's definitely one of those bucket list kind of trips. Totally. Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was a lot of travel to get there. And, um, and it took 30 years of being married to get there too. <laughs> well, congratulations on Bora Bora and being married 30 years. Those are both both great accomplishments. <laughs> it was very, very fun. How Good. about Thanksgiving? What did you do? Um, so we went to, we went on vacation to Florida for Thanksgiving with some friends, uh, about three couples. We went out there and, you know, Florida isn't exactly a bucket list kind of vacation, but it was a great family vacation. We were in St. Augustine and then we, we did Disney World for a day, which was about all we could handle. Um <laughs> Uh-huh. But, but it was fun. I mean, when your kids are little, those kinds of trips, you need them to be as simple and easy as possible. And so that was, it was fun. Remind me again, how old is your daughter? She's three. Yeah. Uh, perfect age for there. Oh, she just thought everything was amazing. And she's really into princesses. And so, you know, Disney just kind of blew her mind. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That was her first time? Yes. Yep. That was our first time taking her to Disney World and probably not the last, even though I swear, you know, the whole time I'm like, we're never doing this again. <laughs> yes. That's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work. Sometimes you need a vacation when you come back from, from Disney. That's right. I feel like I'm just now starting to get over being sore from, you know, lugging her 40 pounds around Disney for 10 hours. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. But it was fun. So, but yeah, so we are all, we are both back and back to our, back to our podcasting. Yes. 
when we had you on for the very first time, I know we kind of went through your story and how you got into the business and, and all of that. But something that I wanted to come back to was the process of you actually buying the business, because I know that that's top of mind for, um, for a lot of people in the industry who are, you know, looking to sell their business or, you know, hopefully wanting to step into that ownership role. So, um, you know, you had told us before that when you got involved with Dan at Spring Dance, kind of one of your big things was you you knew you wanted to be a partner one day and, and be the owner eventually, right? That's correct. Yes. So why was that? Why was that so important to you to be um, for that to be on the table? Well, I've, I've always been self-employed, and um, even when I was uh, younger and doing things, and I I just owned a franchise. Um, for about 10 years uh, when I had sold it and then was looking for something else to do. And, um, you know, it was just a bunch of circumstances that led me to, to uh, that hot spring store that Dan had just opened. Uh, it was actually hot springs and Sundance is what had, what he had on the floor. And um, he kind of reached out saying he needed some help and I was looking for something to do. And so immediately I had said, well, it, you know, it was with the understanding, I joined the company with the understanding that if we expanded in the future, uh, he'd be open open to a partnership. And that, that was key in joining the company. So when did you, did you guys have a, a timeline when you got involved, like what that would look like? Or did that sort of come along through the years? It's interesting. I kept the conversation alive for a couple of years about that. And through relationships that I had through um, reps um, and, you know, people with the products I was selling, um, we were able to keep that alive. And, and, uh, back in 2002, 2003, 2002, we opened a store West of, uh, Philadelphia. And then, um, things lined up for 2003 to be able to get into the South Jersey market, which is just South of Philadelphia. Um, so, so when that opened, um, that was, that was perfect because we were able to actually, um, we were able to open a separate entity under a new corporation in, in New Jersey. So we opened up spring dance hot tubs uh, of New Jersey incorporated. And so by doing that uh, I became 49% owner and that was key because I wanted him to have the peace of mind that he could fire me <laughs> if need be, but it got my fit foot in the door to be able to, um, uh, to be able to eventually um, buy you know, owning half the business would be easier than, than trying to buy the whole business. So it was a good way to get my foot in the door. Yeah, that's, that's really smart. It does kind of help alleviate um, some of that capital that you probably needed to come up with uh, when it finally came time to, time to buy the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was, it was a unique situation. I, I basically uh, out, outfitted the store and sign on with a, uh, a line of credit. And then, um, he had some credit established with, uh, at the time, I believe it was Textron Financial. And so he put, I, I, I remodeled the store and he put the spas on the floor and we hired people and we, we, we hit the ground running. That's great. That's what a smart thing to do for both of you, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. We were, it worked out really well. I, I mean, uh, now we're going back to 2002 so or 2003 when we did that. So there was obviously a lot of time between 2003 and um, this past year buying the business. When did you kind of say, all right, I'm ready to do this? Or was it a matter of Dan saying, you know, I'm, I'm ready to retire. Let's figure it out. I mean, how did you guys say, you know, now is the time? 
you know, over that, over the 12 years, um, a lot of things had changed a lot of things, you know, sometimes, you know, I was in the business for 12 years. You, you learn a lot. And, and, and there was points where I wasn't sure I wanted to, um, stay in the business. Um, I knew he wanted to sell eventually, but it really did line up nicely for him and myself. Um, but obviously we wound up going through some very, very difficult times with the economy and, and we survived. We were able to do the things it took to survive during that, that time. Um, so that was, that was, um, you know, and we, and we always kept the conversation alive, but you never really knew when, when it was going to happen. Uh, when when the sale would take place, um, and then in the fall of 2015, we actually hired a, a guy Bryce DeGroot from um, Compass Advisors in Bozeman, Montana, and uh, that was key. He helped us to establish the price. I think oftentimes people were, will, will look to buy a business and then um, they just make a number up, and you you, you can't do that if you're going to involve a bank. Everything has to work. And, um, he was great because he helped us, you know, we gave him our financials. He was able to establish a purchase price and uh, helped us start the loan process and, um, really did a good job keeping us focused and settled on doing, um, what, what type of purchase to do. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but there's a stock purchase and there's asset purchase. Almost every business today is a, is a, a, a asset purchase purchase. So when you buy the company, you actually, um, are starting from scratch. You're buying, you know, quote unquote, the book of business, but it's, it's under your name now. And it's, um, you create your own, you buy your own, you start your own corporation basically. Well, I, I, I actually bought the stock, the rest of his stock out in New Jersey and all 100% of the stock out of the Pennsylvania corporation. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, our, when I bought the, the magazines, it was definitely an asset purchase. And so, um, so yeah, that seems to be a much easier sale process than buying the stock. <laughs> well, yes and no. On one hand, when you buy uh, people who've done asset purchases in this business, that's where you're you're standing around putting a value on everything that's in every box, mm, and sure. we we didn't do any of that. We we established a price for the business, um, and um, the, the the only negative thing to a stock purchase is you you inherit the skeletons in the closet. So in the case of, of our business, I'd, I'd been basically there other than missing the first year of business. I've, I've been here every year and been a, a key person in the company. So that, that didn't scare me. I, I knew, mm -hmm. I knew what problems we had. I knew what issues we had and, and in the past and none of them were, were anything that would give us a, uh, give a problem to us. Uh, and not only that, oftentimes when people do buy a company and if there is something that comes up, taxes or uh, a lawsuit, uh, oftentimes they get drug into that anyway. So, right. uh, so that's, that was, that was our, that's uh, by doing the stock purchase, which was kind of unique today, it worked. So, so how do, I mean, what kind of things do they look at to decide on, to decide on a price? I, mean, what, I, I imagine there are a bunch of formulas that, that this guy Bryce had that he went through with you guys. You know, it's, it's really simple. It's, it's profitability. Um, it's, it's based on the fact that uh, they looked at the, the past few years in business and how much money we made. And uh, we've always been a very disciplined company. Um, again, a lot of people, they want to sell their business, but they want, they want, X amount of dollars, but there's no justification for it. Uh, one of the things you learn quickly is, you know, 
selling somebody your company and telling them that you get to do all this stuff, you know, the company pays for, but you don't really take any money out of the business. Um, that does not drive the value of the company up. That's, that's a, that's actually of no value. So you have, you have to see that the owners are taking real money out of the company. And after all is said and done, the company is still making a good net profit. And, um, and we, we've worked hard to do that over the last uh, five years. It's got to be, was it difficult for, for Dan to look at those numbers and be objective about it? Or I would feel like it would be kind of emotional to say, this is, um, you know, this is my baby that I built and, you know, you kind of want some of that sweat equity. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't, um, I, I can't, I can't speak for him. I know, I know at the end of the day, uh, we agreed on a number and, um, well, it's, it's interesting back in 2015, we agreed on a number and, um, and then, then we, um, we put it on ice for a couple years and, um, and we learned a lot in that in that first few months of working with uh, Bryce DeGroat, uh, which, by the way, um, he worked off a retainer of about twelve hundred dollars a month, and then at the at the time of closing, he got one percent of the, of the sale price too. So I just kind oh, of okay. that out there on how those guys work when you hire them for for those who might be looking to do do that. It's um, but he was always available, always helping us, but. Um, you know, it's, it's really just numbers and it's how the numbers play. I mean, it's, it's, um, there's really no fudging, especially with a bank today and how cautious they are. And, um, we decided to go with, um, with an SBA loan. And, um, so that was, uh, that, that was, a. you just, like I said, you can't fool with those numbers. And, uh, I, I don't think it matters. In fact, I'd like to share this from the standpoint, uh, of, of what, what businesses are worth as people sit there and go, well, what, what, what are we even talking about here? So we had agreed back in 2015 that I'd buy the business for one and a half million dollars. And then over the next few years, it, it, things started really getting good. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly the back end of the business was really swinging around with service and uh, doing valet, sir, uh, valet service with people's houses, taking care of their hot tubs. And um, that started picking up as well as spa sales started picking up. So, so it did make sense that we, we had in that short time um, we had bumped the business up, the sale of the business, the agreement from 1.5 million to 2 million. So, okay. so they're the numbers that we were working with. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Cause I think people are, you know, a little reticent to, to give that information out, which I can understand. It feels a little bit like asking someone what their salary is, but, (laughs) but I think it's good to know because, you know, that's something that, um, you know, when you're thinking about buying a business, you're kind of like, well, really, what are we talking about? What are we looking at? And when no one will say it out loud, it kind of gives you hard, uh, there's no barometer. (laughs) No, it's, it's interesting. I've always felt that way in our industry. We're so secretive with numbers and then so many people fib about numbers. But at the end of the day, uh, the whole purpose of, of us talking about this right now is listen, these, these businesses have real established values and they're worth something. And, um, the fact that we were able to get this done, uh, proves that. I wonder too, I feel like going through the process and working with the bank and having to go through like every aspect of the companies and probably your own personal financial life. I I imagine, do you kind of just feel like that sort of strips you bare in a way where it doesn't, you don't feel weird about talking about those numbers anymore because you've just gone through them with all of these strangers in minute detail? (laughs) 
I'm still coming out of it. Um, I'm still coming out of it. It, it, it was, it was grueling. Um, you know, one of the things that was very refreshing in the beginning. So Bryce had recommended that we go with, get a couple of offers on the, um, we get a couple offers from different banks. And so the other thing that he recommended was that we, we go SBA, but not with a big bank, like not a big bank, like a Wells Fargo. And, um, uh, he, he just had been doing a lot of transactions and felt that, you know, maybe the, the way to go is with a smaller bank, uh, as they're not as transactional as, um, as a, as a big bank would be. Well, you know, I was surprised when you said that you got an SBA loan because I don't know if I hear of anybody actually getting SBA loans anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, it, they kept me they kept me waiting, but it was it was it was um the one thing about a big bank is that there's what's called a preferred lending program, which is like uh, the bigger banks have a preferred lenders program, which means they actually um are in charge of of they can they have the latitude to to approve the loan. Um, and so one of the disadvantages for us is we were interviewing some small banks and we wanted, I wanted to build a relationship with a small banker. In fact, I was on the phone with them before I, uh, before we got on uh, doing this podcast and I, I, the relationships are important to me that way. And he was, he was terrific and, um, it, it very easy to work with, but I was stunned, um, through the process, the, all the presidents of the banks, the vice presidents, everybody at some point had met with us and the interviews were very personal. They weren't just, um, tell me about your hot tub business. It was really tell me about you and what are your goals and what are the things you want to do? And I, I was really taken back because I kind of entered this thinking everything was just going to be about how the numbers work. And, um, they, they, they had a sincere interest in learning about me and how I ticked. So it was, um, and, and I did learn later that, uh, that was important to them because they would never have gotten involved with somebody who was off the street going to buy this company, which is another point I'd like to make that when, when you're looking, um, a, a good friend of mine, Rich Heiner out at international hot tub said, uh, you're always looking for that guy who's in your company that can take the company over and, mm -hmm. and run it someday. Um, never take your eye off of that. That's something you're always looking at. Who's, you know, I bought this company from Dan, Rich bought it from another guy who's going to buy it from, from, uh, from us. And so um, it's really best that it be somebody who knows the business and that's, that's what they wanted to know. Did you meet with any of the bigger banks or did you always, or was it just the small ones? Because I'm just curious if there would be a difference in the kinds of questions you'd, be, you'd have been asked. Well, I can only tell you over the years, we've run millions and millions and millions of dollars through Wells Fargo and there's mm -hmm. zero relationship. Nobody from Wells Fargo has ever taken any kind of personal interest in, sure. in us. And the moment somebody came in and started talking with us and telling us what they wanted to do and they were excited to be our, our, uh, our, con our contact, they, they were moved somewhere else in the country. Like it was, sure. <laughs> you know, it, it, it was, yeah. So we, we never had any kind of relations, um, relationships with, with people like that. So, um, but yeah, it was interesting. So we decided to go with diamond financial, which was, a uh, called easy, easy Um, there was no formal meetings with them. This was, uh, uh a different company. They were, um, um, located in North Carolina. It's kind of like an online company, but they were a preferred lender. See, my local bank wasn't preferred. So they work with a company that's like a subcontractor. So I wound up meeting with the subcontractor in the bank when we decided 
we gave them our financials and they decided to come back with an offer. Okay. Um, and then everything else was done over the phone and by faxing. Um, that was with, with Diamond um, Financial. So Interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it was it was um, it was interesting from the standpoint that um, how different people can be. I mean, <laughs> this company, the the online company, Easy SBA, just was brutal, and um, and they were so aggressive that uh, it was just such a turnoff, and uh, we we ruled them out almost immediately upon. Um, uh, 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 once they, they, we applied and they came back and agreed to do the loan in about, uh, 48 hours. Um, with, they looked at our financials and said, we want the loan, we're going to do it. Um, but the problem was when they did that, um, it, it was a 10 year loan, uh, at 7.25% adjustable monthly, monthly. What? So, um, so we, and they wanted to close in 45 days. Now, the, the small community bank had never even gotten back to me. So I was, I was completely nervous about, I wanted to go with the small bank, but then I thought, well, if they're going to do it. I, and, and at that point I was just amped up to buy the company. So, um, but you know, we kind of calmed down and said, okay, let's wait until the other bank. But there was about a three week period where, um, the bank, the, the, um, the online bank, the, the one out of North Carolina, um, kept calling for three weeks until we got our offer from this other bank. And we, we didn't share the offers with either, either group, but when the other bank loan came through and the local bank came at five and a half percent fixed for five years, well, now we're talking, that's a, that was a much more realistic loan. Right. I did learn from the, um, the, uh, contractor that were from my bank that, uh, an adjustable loan monthly at 7.25%, they could have sold that loan immediately upon closing for about $200,000. That's what they would have, that's, that's the business they were in. Right. You know, yeah. Get the loan and then sell it. So, whereas uh, I'm not, um, I'm not at all, like they don't sell the loans, the local bank I'm with, that's not what they do. They, they, they keep them, they hold on to the paper. So, so that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, how, what did, what a weird, <laughs> what a weird process. I mean, did you just have a ton of anxiety through that point as you're waiting and well, you know, wondering what they're going to come back with? I mean, kind of, how did you handle the waiting game? Well, the guy, the, it, it was tough because this guy, David, um, from, um, this SBA, um, preferred lender out of North Carolina, he reminded me of that Leonardo DiCaprio character from, um, the movie Wolf of Wall Street. And he was just brutal. Like he was just like, you oh, got to do this. You got to go with us. And and he had just kept pushing so hard and pushing so hard that um, it was just it was completely turned off. Like we, ju I just wanted nothing to do with it. But there was a scene in that movie where he 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 was telling a guy who was getting ready to to buy his wife like some big ring, and he's like, "Don't do that. Don't do that. Let right now. Let's do this. Let's let's invest in this stock." You know, and and he was like, "You got to close. We got to do it now." And I was. He was just had such a silver tongue. I, I just, I couldn't believe it. Uh, but yeah, no, that was very stressful because I wanted so badly to go with the local bank, but they were taking forever. Little did I know just how long they would take after that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. That kind of, that kind of sales, uh, those kind of sales tactics stress me out so much. And I just, <laughs> I just hate it. <laughs> in, a, in a perfect world, you know, and we'll get into this because I wound up 
being in a position where we were talking, well, maybe, maybe we should just, we should just like Dan should just finance, but I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to, I'd rather much pay a bank back than have a former partner and owner that I'm, I'm still, I'm still associated with. And I, I don't have my freedom to run the business I, the way I want to do it because I, I've got a, I've st- I'm still attached. So I really wanted to be de- disattached from him, but, um, but it was really, you know, getting a runaround. I mean, we, we applied for our loan on January 10th and they came back on February 9th with our, with our offer. So, and they, they projected a closing date of April 15th. So we were, you know, both Dan and I hadn't been through this before. So we were, and it was very amicable. Uh, it was amazing how many things, would, how many people in the process will try to make it, a, uh, make it a non-amicable purchase. But we, we were, we were in that position where we were, um, where we were very amicable, uh, and we both really wanted to go with this local bank, but, um, you know, there's just a lot of things going on. We're going to stop there, but we'll be back in two weeks with the rest of Jeff's story. He goes into all of the things that just went wrong throughout the process, which meant their April 15th closing date kept creeping back for another two months. It's quite the tale. You do not want to miss it. Retailer Podcast is produced by Spa Retailer Magazine. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SpaRetailer.com, and the Spa Retailer app. Please leave us a review and let us know what you think or email us at podcast at SpaRetailer.com. Spa